the reading of his word upon our hearts. Our God works uh, his providence in two, different, in, two, in two different ways. On one hand, we see that the Lord uh, works his providence as he governs all the aspects of nature. Uh, everything that happens in nature is under his uh, sovereign control. But at the same time, the Lord works his providence in our own lives. Everything that takes place in our, in our lives, that is also under his sovereign control. And those two uh, ways that the Lord governs his, uh, sorry, uh, his, uh, his providence, we find those two things here in our passage. Uh, just a few details we find here to see how he controls, he governs everything through his providence. We find here that the Lord sent his disciples into the ship. Then strong wind, as we read, uh, made the waves toss the, uh, the ship in the midst of the dark of the night. Then the Lord came to his disciples and he spoke with them. And when he went into the ship, then uh, he made that storm cease and uh, the wind stopped completely. So we see in these aspects that the Lord governed every aspect of uh, everything that happened, everything that happens in our lives and in nature. He governs everything. He governs his, uh, he works his providence uh, in these two ways. And by the Lord working this way, he wanted to teach something very specific to his disciples. And we find it here in this uh, verse uh, 50 at the end of it, where he says, be of, good, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. In other words, be not afraid in the midst of the storm. Somebody wrote, a storm in the sea can turn into a storm in the heart. And in such situations, the same teaching that the Lord, the Lord was giving to his disciples, then in the storms, the spiritual storms that we go through in our lives, the Lord also wants, us to, wants to teach us the very same thing. In the midst of your storm, your spiritual storm, whatever it is, the Lord wants you to know this. Be not afraid. Be not afraid in the midst of the storm. And we find here in this passage two, uh, two details that, uh, by which the Lord is teaching us that uh, we should not be afraid in the midst of our spiritual storms. The first thing we find here is the steps that the Lord took in his providence. What were these steps the Lord took in order for him to work his providence at this time and to teach his disciples that they should not be afraid of that, of that storm, in this case was a, a literal physical storm, but at, this, at the same time we're going to see that they had, they had to go through spiritual storm. And at that time and in that situation, the Lord was telling them, be not afraid. See, the first detail we find here is that the Lord sent the people away. And that crowd that were uh, in front of him, around him, he sent them away. We read in verse 41 through to 44 why all these people were gathered together at that, at that time uh, with, with the Lord. We, we, we read uh, in those uh, verses, uh, 41 through to 44, that the Lord performed this miracle when he fed 5,000 men with only five loaves of bread and two fishes. 
But then he's, we read here uh, in verse uh, in verse 40, um, uh, in 44, 44, and straight away he constrained his, his disciples to go into the ship and go to the other side, etc. And then he's, we read at the end of the verse, and he sent away the people. Why did the Lord send his people away? Why did, why did the Lord all of a sudden, because it, say, it says here, straight away, it was like all of a sudden, the Lord took his disciples, he uh, took them into, uh, he sent them into the ship, and then uh, he uh, uh, he sent all these people away. Why why did uh, why uh, the Lord did that? Well, in the Gospel of John, uh, we read about this same miracle, and in John chapter six, verses fourteen and fifteen, we read we read the specific reason why the Lord sent these people away. We read, then those men. That is, these people, those men that the Lord had fed uh, with uh, five, five loaves of bread and two fishes. He said, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, feeding all these men uh, miraculously, say, uh, they said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. So you see, these people, this crowd, they had a wrong understanding of Christ's identity, of his identity and also uh, of the purpose of his ministry. He didn't, uh, didn't understand, they had, didn't have a real understanding. Actually, they had, they had a very wrong understanding of the person, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, why he came to earth, why he was there, why he performed that miracle. You see, the problem, for, the problem of these people, this crowd, they wanted to make Christ an earthly king, an earthly king, and establish a kingdom focused on the temporal, uh, on the temporal affairs of, of this life. The problem, apart from that, is that his disciples also, in another occasion, had the same kind of uh, understanding. They also saw, in, an, in some other specific reasons, they saw him as an earthly king. As an earthly king, they considered him just as an earthly king. So this is the problem. They saw the disciples saw the Lord first perform this miracle, and then this crowd. They wanted, to for, they wanted to take him by force and make him king in an earthly way. And because of that, and then, as I said, in another occasion they had considered the Lord, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, also in this earthly way. So they had witnessed those two things, and now the crowd wanted to take him by force to make him a king. But you see, Christ's kingdom is spiritual. It's spiritual. Nobody can take the Lord by force and make him king according to their own convenience. Nevertheless, we also may fall into the same mistake. We start thinking uh, and considering Christ and his kingdom. And uh, we think that it's limited to just temporal things and earthly things. And we stop fixing our eyes 
on the Lord Jesus Christ as he, as he truly is and the spiritual aspect of his kingdom. And we just, our minds are, are just limited to uh, earthly, earthly and temporal things. And then we forget, as uh, the Apostle Paul says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. This crowd, they thought the kingdom of God it just was meat and drink. But righteousness and peace and, and joy in the, Holy, in the Holy Ghost. You see, we've gone through a pandemic. Just think, we, we, we'll go back two years in time before the pandemic. When we never thought by no means that we would, throw, we would, we would go through this pandemic. And now a war. And maybe... Maybe at that time when everything was easy going, maybe Christ had become some kind of earthly king in your life according to your convenience. As these men, this crowd, they wanted to make Christ their king according to their convenience, to cover their uh, material and temporal affairs and their temporal needs. But for example, the church was called to pray, to come to pray before the Lord. And any excuse was good enough for you to be absent from the place that the people of God is to be, that is, in the place of prayer. Or for example, instead of taking time your time to read God's word and have fellowship with him and uh, intimate communion with him through the means of grace, prayer, and the reading of God's word. You didn't have time for those things. But you have plenty of time to spend it on TV, on a Facebook, for example, or YouTube or whatever. Whatever you want to put there. Sports. Anything. You didn't have time for Christ and his word, but you have plenty of time for so many other things. You wanted Christ in some areas of your life, but not in all the areas of your life. You want him to provide for you on temporal things, but you didn't care about the spiritual aspect of his kingdom. Or maybe you talked about so many different things, some of them, um, right things, lawful, legitimate things. In some, uh, in some other occasions, worldly things. And you had time to speak about all those things to your family, to your friends, to your uh, uh, companions there in school, university, or any other place, or at work. But no time at all. To serve this gospel, to talk about Christ to your friends, to your family, to your workmates, and so on. Do we not have to confess that, it, that, that, that is the situation of so many in the church today? See, the promise that those, that, crowd, that crowd there, those men there, they wanted to take Jesus by force to make him their king 
according to, to their terms and according to their conditions. And so many times, when everything goes so easy, we take for granted so many things. And yes, we want the Lord, we want Jesus Christ to be our King. But according to our own terms and according to our own conditions. Or maybe you are here tonight and you're not saved. And yes, of course, I want him to be my king in the sense that I want to be saved from, from, um, from condemnation, from damnation in hell. And in that sense, I want him to be my king. But I don't want him, I don't want him as my king in, my, in the rest of my life. You want Christ, your king, as your king, by force, but only according to your own terms and conditions. That's what the crowd wanted to do with Christ at that time. And his disciples saw that. They were, they, they were witness of the miracle and also of what these men wanted to do with him by force. But then the Lord had to do something to teach them. Because as I've said, in some other occasions, they, 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 they also had this same notion, wrong notion about, about him. So he not only sent the people away, but he also sent his disciples to the sea. See, that's why we read, we, we've read here in verse 45, and straightway, that is immediately, as soon as he sent those people away, he, uh, 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 because, I mean, uh, as soon as he had performed this miracle, that miracle, and these, these people wanted to make him him by force, then straight away, immediately, he sent his disciples into the sea, and then he, uh, he sent the people, uh, uh, the people away. You see, the Lord is showing us, showing us here something very important, and it, and it is that a great blessing, a great blessing as it had been, the feeding of all those men, this miracle, a great blessing may turn into a great danger if we abuse it. If we abuse it. So straight away, straight, straight away, immediately, the Lord can change the whole situation to deliver us from such, from such a danger. From abusing a blessing and turn a blessing into something that can, that can be a danger, for, a danger for us because we consider it in a worldly way, in a worldly manner. Take note of what we read a continuous, uh, 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 the following thing. You see, it says there, and straightway he constrained the, his disciples to get into the ship. That is, they didn't want to go so easily. He had to oblige them. He had to make them go. They didn't want to go into the ship. They wanted to be with him. He had performed this such a big a miracle, such a blessing. And it seems, from the human perspective, it seemed that he was going to be about, uh, he was about to be made king. So they were not willing so easily to go. And in such a situation, the best the Lord can do for our good is to isolate us. He sent his disciples uh, there to be on their own in the ship. And I don't know all the details when the pandemic broke out here. 
But back in Spain, we had a very hard lockdown. Nobody, nobody, and that was compulsory. Nobody for several months could go out of their houses to do anything. Just a few of us had a special permit to go out of the house to uh, to go for work. Just a few uh, a few a few jobs. And uh, myself, for example, I had a special permit to go to church um, from their uh, broadcast or services. And just a few, a few people were able to go to God. We were all isolated. I don't know if that was that happened here to that to, to that uh, to such a degree. But see, from this easy going in our lives, just taking everything from granted, everything is taken away. And we were isolated. But take note of a detail here, because this isolation of the, of the disciples was not in a quiet, easy, comfortable place. Actually, it was in the ship. They went. They were. Uh, uh, the Lord sent them into the ship, and from the from the ship to the sea, and then from the sea into the storm. It wasn't an easy, quiet, comfortable place. They were in the middle of a storm. And we read uh, in John chapter 6, the same passage there in the book of John, in the gospel of John, verse 16, that his disciples went down unto the sea when the evening came. And here in Mark, and in the gospel of Mark, we read that the ship was in the midst of the sea. And then the storm, uh, that, that storm arose with a strong, with a strong wind. Now we read a very important, another very important detail here in this verse 48 of our passage that says that it was about the fourth watch of the night when, everything, when uh, it took place, when this wind uh, uh, arose and they had this hard time. The disciples got into the ship when it was getting dark, uh, when the evening was coming. Which took place around the first watch. We we read here about about the fourth watch. Well, uh, at the, when the at that, in that area, when uh, the day starts getting dark, is is at the first watch, and that is in order for us to understand it, the first watch is uh, it was uh, between uh, six and nine in the evening when it's getting dark, and the fourth watch went from three to six. A night, and the Apostle John says there in his gospel that they had moved while they were rowing. They moved only twenty-five to thirty furlongs. That in miles is four point five miles. So that means that the disciples had been rowing for six to seven hours, six to seven hours rowing, and they had only moved. 4.5 miles from the shore. And they were right in the middle of the sea, and they, st and they still have to uh, row another, uh, another distance, the same distance, more or less, another 4.5 miles. They were right in the middle. And they had, uh, uh, as we read here, they were toiling and rowing. But that was not the worst thing. The worst thing was that we read in verse 47. The ship was in the midst of the sea. That was not the, first, the, the, the worst part. 
The worst part, it was not that there was a strong wind. The worst part, it was not that it was a storm, that they, was, uh, 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 they were in the middle of the dark. This is the worst part. And he, that is Christ, and he alone on the land. That is, the worst thing for the disciples was their feeling, their feeling of being left alone. That the Lord was not with them in the sea, that he was in the mountain. You see, a spiritual kingdom is everywhere. But those, that crowd wanted to make the Lord by force, an earthly kingdom, uh, so, sorry, an earthly king. And the disciples had this notion in some other occasion, and they had uh, seen this miracle performed, and they had seen the people uh, uh, that he, they wanted to make the Lord uh, king by force, an earthly king. And now the Lord takes them into the sea and into the, midst, the, the, the middle of the, the sea with this big storm and this strong wind. And with that notion, that is an earthly king, an earthly king can only be in one place at the same time. If the Lord was in the mountain, he couldn't be there with him in the sheep. And perhaps the disciples had to learn that the kind of Christ they had formed in their minds, that is, an earthly, just an earthly king, can only be in one place at the same time. If he was in the mountain, he couldn't be there with them in the, in the, in the middle of the sea, in the ship. And that's the same teaching the Lord is teaching us here, was teaching here to his disciples. He's teaching us the very same thing. The Lord is teaching us through the, this time of trial, trial. When you go through a, a time of trial and you've fallen into this wrong notion of Christ, he's your king, but he's not, he, you don't want him to be king above all the, uh, over all the areas of your life. Well, he is, you want him to be king of this and that and that, but not of these other aspects of your life. But then the Lord leaves you. And then you have this feeling that the Lord has left you alone. And he wants, he wants to show you what happens. It's not that he is like that. Of course not as we are going to see. But he wants to show you what happens if he was that kind, what, what, that kind of king that you've formed in your mind and in your heart. If he's just an earthly king that rules over some aspects of you and some areas of your life, then that means that in some areas of your life, he's going to be with you, and see, in some other situations, he's not going to be with you because he's just an earthly king. He's not the king of kings and lord of lords above all. According to that notion, that wrong notion, that wrong understanding, that is formed in our deceitful hearts. So the Lord permitted all these aspects to, te to teach his disciples that he is not an earthly king. That he is not a king uh, made king by force according to our own conditions, according to our own convenience, according to our own terms. Because when that happens, when we take the Lord and we consider the Lord in that way, there, then we are going to 
to have this feeling, this experience, as if we were we had been left alone. And the Lord wants to teach us that. But then we read here about something else. We read about these steps that the Lord, through his providence, wanted to teach them. He is not the kind of king those men uh, wanted to make, him, make of him by force. But we read here the following, uh, the following verses, the kind of king he really is. And we read here, we, read, uh, we, we learn that by the presence of the Lord in his providence. The presence of the Lord in his providence. We read here that he was present with his disciples through his intercession. Through his intercession on behalf of his disciples. Let's read again verse 45. And straightway, he, uh, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship while he sent away the people. If that was all, then the disciples were in a very pitiful situation. But then we read in verse 46. And when he had sent them away, all those people and his disciples into the ship, he departed into a mountain to pray. While the disciples might have had the feeling of being left alone in the middle, in the middle of the in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the dark, nonetheless, the Lord was in that mountain interceding for them. He was praying. Say we read there. And he was, for sure, he was praying for them. Because we read uh, in verse 48. And he, Christ, saw them toiling in rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, we read, we also read the, about this information. Uh, the, the John gives us this information. It was now dark. And Jesus was not come to them. So Christ is in the mountain. He's praying. But then we read there that it was dark. He had, not come, he had not yet come to them. It was dark. But then we read that when he was praying, he saw them. He saw them. Now let's bear in mind all these details we have in the different Gospels about this situation. It was already dark. And the ship, the boat, was at least, that is, from the shore to the, the point where they were, 4.5 miles away from the shore. And we have to add where that mountain was, and then up to the mountain where he was, and all the situations. So, at least, there was 4.5 miles away, miles away from the Lord to the, uh, from, from the shore to the disciples into the sea. And it was dark. But nevertheless, it says here that the Lord saw the, the Lord saw them. He saw them. So, if he saw them while it was dark and at that distance, for sure, is not referring to his human knowledge and his physical eyes, but rather to his divine omniscience. Our Lord intercedes for us. With his divine omniscience. In the midst, in the midst, in the middle of our spiritual storms, even, and this is a blessing thought, 
a most blessed thought. Even when we don't get a full grasp of his lordship, you see, his disciples didn't have a full grasp of his lordship. In some, in, in another occasion, they had this notion of him as an earthly king. As I have seen, they, uh, the crowd wanted to make him an earthly king, and they, they witnessed all those things, and they seems that they were coming to this conclusion again. So the, the Lord had to send them into the boat and send the people away. So they didn't have, at this time, and as, by, by the reaction they had when the Lord performed this miracle that uh, the wind ceased completely, the storm stopped completely, then we, we read that they didn't have a full grasp of Christ's nature and his person and so on. Nonetheless, though they didn't have a full grasp of Christ's, uh, of Christ's nature, nonetheless, he knew, he had perfect knowledge of his disciples. We read in God's word, For he, that is God, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth, he remembereth that we are dust. Now when we read in the, in the, script, in the scripture that the Lord remembers us, it's not that he has forgotten altogether about us, and then he just, uh, it's all of a sudden, uh, the thought of, of us comes to uh, to his mind, and oh, now, now I remember. That's not what it means in, in the word of God. For example, we read that uh, when Noah was in the, in the ark, the Lord remember, remembered him. Or when Israel was uh, uh, in Egypt, uh, in, in slavery, we read there that the Lord remembered the covenant with Abraham, Jacob, and, and Isaac, and Jacob. So when we read, about God remembering his people, what that really means is not that he has forgotten and that he has to bring it to his mind again. It means that he identifies with his people and acts on our behalf. That's what it means when it says that he remembered. He is now come to identify himself, he comes to identify with Noah, and then he acts on his behalf, and then he uh, makes the, the flood to cease. And also with the people of Israel there in, in slavery, the Lord remembered him, remembered them. It's not that he had forgotten them, that, that, but now the time has come that the Lord has is going to identify with his people, and that's why Moses, he, when he went to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go. He's identifying with his people, and he acts on behalf of his people. So Christ here, he remembered his disciples. Not that, that he had forgotten them. But he is now identifying himself with them and is going to act on their behalf. And he, can, he now prays uh, and he intercedes for, for them. And perhaps... When we come, when we go through different experiences in our lives, trials, hard times, we may have the feeling that we have been left alone. But the Lord can see us in the midst, in the middle of our spiritual storm. He remembers us. He identifies Himself with us, and He can, and He prays and He intercedes on our behalf. In his omniscience, because he knows everything, 
and he rules everything, and he governs everything. But then we, the next thing we read here is that he was present with his, with, his with, with his disciples through his manifestation to his disciples. See, he manifested to, to, uh, himself to his disciples. Verse 48 and verse 49, we read, Jesus cometh unto them, walking upon the sea. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been spirit. And Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, as we read here as well, in verse 49, they say that they cried out. Try to picture, picture this, this situation. These full-grown men, they were crying out of, uh, for fear. It's a ghost, it's a ghost. Can you imagine the situation? But take note of this detail. It doesn't say that the, the disciples were afraid of the storm, of the wind. Actually, some of them, they were fishermen. They were used to these kind of situations. So they were not afraid of the storm, of being in the middle of the dark with all this strong wind that they couldn't advance. They couldn't progress. They were not afraid of that. It says that when Christ came to them, when Jesus came to them, and they, the conclusion was because they had, didn't have this right understanding of the nature of Christ, of his person and his work, of course, they see this human appearance, this human being, this man coming upon, walking upon the sea, and because they see, that's impossible for a man to do that, so they came to the conclusion that it was some strange, some strange being. Oh, it's a ghost. If you go a couple of pages, uh, a couple of chapters back, in chapter 4, we find a very similar situation. There we find the Lord Jesus Christ, and there was a storm, the disciples in the ship, but now there's some differences. There we find the, the, the Lord with the, his disciples into the ship, but he was sleeping. He was sleeping, and then a storm arose, and because of the storm, they were afraid. That's the same situation. They were afraid, as they were here afraid, also afraid. And that is showing us that our fear to situations of adversity, of adversity is not caused by such situations, but due to a lack of understanding of the true nature of our Lord. See, in Mark chapter 4, fear came because they had a wrong understanding of what Christ was doing. He was, he was sleeping, so they couldn't understand it. They, could, they couldn't understand why he was doing that while, this, while they were in the middle of this storm. And in Mark chapter 6, fear came because they did not understand who is Christ. They thought it was a ghost. So within taking these two situations very similar with their, different, their, their difference, uh, we see that uh, our fears come not because of the situations, because uh, of our adversities, because of our trials. Actually, fear comes when we don't have a right understanding of the person and the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'll just 
take the same examples I mentioned earlier on, the, the pandemic. The pandemic has brought several adversities to our lives. Social, political, health, economic, and so on. But in reality, we do not fear because of them, because of those situations. Fear really don't uh, does not come because of those because of those things. Fear come because we don't have a biblical understanding of the person and work of Christ. If that is all, if that is your case, you will be seeing you will be seeing ghosts. Everywhere, everywhere, where there are none. And as fear comes to, due to a lack of biblical understanding of the person and work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the same way, fear disappears. Fear disappears when we have a, a biblical understanding of the person and work of our Redeemer. And that's why the Lord came to them and spoke with, and spoke with them and talked with them. Because third and lastly, we find here that he was present with his disciples through his word to his disciples. It was not only that he was interceding for them on the mountain, as he is now uh, interceding for us at the right hand of, of, of our Father in heaven. It's not only that we have his presence through his manifestation uh, by his Holy Spirit with us, but he's also present with us through his word. Verse 50. And immediately... After they were crying, and this is the uh, such a big difference between the disciples and the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We read, we have read there in verse uh, at the end of verse forty nine that they were crying out for fear. But then the Lord comes and says, uh, and, and we read, He talks. They were crying. He talks. He speaks. And immediately He talked with them and said unto them. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. They began to scream. And then he started speaking. And you see, when the Lord talks with us through his word, by the Holy Spirit, any fear disappears. It's not what, as, 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 the, as the disciples here, it doesn't mean that we are going to understand everything. There were some things here that they couldn't understand. But when trial comes and the Lord comes to us by His Spirit and He talks, us, he, he talks with us through His Word, of course that doesn't mean that we're going to understand everything. Why, why, did, why did the Lord uh, permit this pandemic? Why did the Lord is allowing this war and so many, so many other things? We don't need the answer to those things. But something we have here is the word of God that takes away any 
despair, any fear, uh, any fear, and any or any any other kind of distress. You see, within a few hours, within a few hours, uh, at the beginning of this day, or in the middle of this day, the disciples had considered considered Christ as an earthly king. Or they were tempted, at least they were tempted to consider him in that way, because the crowd wanted to make him him and make him king by force. So at the beginning of this day, the disciples had per- perceived uh, perceived Christ as an earthly king, and now at the end of the day, they perceived him or they considered him as a ghost. But you see, the Lord does not change. The Lord does not change according to our perception of him. He is the sovereign Lord above all. We read here, be of good cheer. In the English version says, it is I. In the Greek, literally speaking, it should be translated this way, be of good cheer, I am. I am. Be not afraid. He is the sovereign, the sovereign Lord above all. He is the unchanging God. He is the eternal I am. And therefore, he is the one that made the storm cease. And you could be in the middle of a rough spiritual storm. In the midst of your lack of faith and knowledge. We, we all go through that situation in some, some, uh, 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 some moment of our lives. Lack of faith, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. In the middle of adversity, we all go through adversity, we all go through trials, we all go through toil and fear. We all go, for sure, and there's no exception, we all go through spiritual storms in our lives. But then the Lord comes to you with his word, by his Holy Spirit, and he talks with you and he tells you, be of good cheer. I am I am that I am. And therefore, be not afraid. There are so many things that the world has, uh, the world has reason to fear and to tremble and to despair because they don't have the Lord as their own Lord. And the Lord, we don't change the nature of the Lord who he is, how he works, by the way we perceive him, on the, or the way we consider him. He's always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. But the question is this. The Lord permit, permitted, permitted his disciples to go through that experience of that spiritual storm, to learn more of who really the Lord is. For them, the one who is always with them, interceding for them, the one who is always with them, now with us, 
by his Holy Spirit and the one who has given us his word in which we have all his promises in Christ. Those promises, those promises that are true and faithful and there is the, is telling you is talking is is talking with you be of good cheer not because those things well in some way they are going to disappear those situations those adversities in some way they are going to disappear but even in the middle of those situations be of good cheer because i am and i am with you be not afraid Maybe you are here tonight and you are without Christ and you're afraid. You're afraid, uh, afraid of, uh, of uh, living this life. I mean, uh, going from this life into eternity and you are without Christ. When the Lord is telling you, is speaking, is talking with you, come to me. And be not be afraid. Be of good cheer. Why? Because he is willing to receive you and save you from your sins. Call upon the Lord and you will be saved. That's his promise. And then you will be of good cheer knowing that the Lord has had forgiven all your sins. May the Lord bless his word upon our hearts for his name's sake.